So this is a lie detector test. I've switched it on. True or false? Are you straight right now? <laughs> ah, you know, sexuality <laughs> wise, that's you never know. Like it's a spectrum and you wake up some days, you know, some days you're different. You, you never you're never hard. You're never fully, fully hard one way. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I suppose. What's never ending to find the beginning that came before everything? Like kids with Dakotas discover the wonder in the ordinary. imagine you've spoken plenty of science to other people but was this a science heavy trip for you <laughs> no it was not a science heavy trip <laughs> yeah no one was interested in all my glass facts <laughs> tc and i went up while we were waiting for uh, dan to get into town on friday we had some time to kill so we went up to uh observation deck of one of the tall towers. It wasn't the Sears Tower. I can't remember which one we went up to the top two right now. But, uh, you know, it's like got really cool glass and everything all around. So I'm like, wow, you know, these windows are pretty strong. Um, but the real interesting thing was uh, the sort of harmonic resonance that's uh, traveling through the floor when you're 100 stories up in a building and how mm. that building is swaying, you know, at the top. And so even though you can't totally feel like the sway as if like you were standing outside on the building and, you know, feeling the sway of the building back and forth in, in the wind, um, that vibration carries through the floor. And like, even though it's a steel structure, it's still going to have, you know, some of that uh, flexural capacity to, to give a little bit and bounce a little bit. So that yeah. sort of unsettling, weak need feeling when you get at the first, when you're standing up that high in a building and you can, your body senses the very slight harmonic vibration going through everything. And you're, you kind of feel the buzz in the back of your knees, like, oh, this isn't quite stable ground. <laughs> That's always a cool you know, feeling. I, I, I meant to say last week, like the guy jumping on the glass, um, I have jumped on glass, no problem. There is... Uh, there's like, it looks like the Eiffel Tower, but they have Tokyo Tower in Japan, mm -hmm. in Tokyo, in fact. Um, and it has like one of those square panel kind of things that you can stand on. So you can just yeah. look straight down. Uh, so I definitely gave it a full jump on that. Um, just cause you know, you might as well hey, it breaks. Take me. <laughs> Yeah, it, they had a thing called tilt where it was like, I guess, 10 of the window panels on one of the sides of the building had been mm -hmm. converted 
where you could like uh, lean up against the window panel and it would slowly tilt you out like at a 30 degree angle hanging over the city and then slowly yeah. tilt you back up um, to see if you would freak out. Nikki had been wanting to do one that was like uh, you go up to the top, but it's like a slide. There's like a glass slide oh, yeah. that is like out there. But I think that's in L.A., not in Chicago. Uh, yeah, I, that sounds right. Um, but I also don't think it takes you over the edge of the building, sadly. Mm-hmm. And isn't um, there, um, maybe this is China. There's like a pedestrian bridge that used to be like a mm-hmm. sort of a, you know, rope bridge or whatever, but they've replaced it with a glass bottom bridge that goes over this gorge or some big thing that you can walk on that looks really cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a, a horseshoe shape. Yeah. Kind yeah. Of yeah. Thing. Yeah, I don't know if it's that one too, but I've seen some where, for whatever reason, they put like a thin LCD screen to have cracks appear. Oh, to freak like if you you're out! Standing on it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which seems like like they want to do that at the Grand Canyon. I wouldn't imagine. Right, right. They, they must. Have, they need to like have speakers like built into the rails, so it like gives you that. You hear the. At the like, yeah, the sheer happening as as it all starts to slowly break and the spider web of cracks go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that'd be. Yeah, awesome. I don't know if that's if somebody can control it or if it's like you stand on it too long and it does. I don't know what the deal is, but I mean, could be video editing too, for all I know. <laughs> yeah, so it wasn't very science. We did go past um, the water tower in downtown. Um, Chicago, which is one of the only structures that survived the fire. Um, and what it's not an actual water tower like we think of a water tower, where you know it's a big reservoir of water held up high to create pressure for all the water lines. This was just a pump station, so it was like a big pump it's station in an old uh, in an old thing, and it had like a tower that looks kind of like a lighthouse on it. So we went and looked at that and uh, talked about what pump stations were. You know that was pretty cool. So now a former member of Bad Radio knows how water towers works. Yep, 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 yep. Well, <laughs> you know, it he un- pumps. We understand how pump stations work, and uh, so that that's a big improvement. You know, because uh, you got you always <laughs> got to think like, well, if I'm ever down in a city like downtown Dallas, I don't see like a giant water tower. Like Reunion Tower isn't a water tower like you see in the suburbs to create all the pressure in the lines and. That's true, but it's because we have a lot of pump stations around downtown next to the water treatment plant and pulling water off of the watershed from the Trinity River and things, and that gets pumped back up. So, pump stations. Do they have, in uh, non-earthquake places, do they put the water tower on the top of the roof? Because in Japan, I think a lot of apartment buildings have the water tower on the top just so for an earthquake purpose, so you have like that counterweight. You know, oh okay yeah i i don't know um they i know in los angeles they have that one water tower on the top of that hotel uh yeah where they found that the girl the, yeah i can't watch that video the the cctv yeah that's such a freaky it's too creepy like, <laughs> it really is is she playing peekaboo with someone who's like in the lobby or is she just on a lot of drugs I would imagine K2. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, K2 got her. Um, I mean, so sad in Los Angeles, you know. You can get actual weed for uh, probably cheaper. 
than K2, I would imagine. Have you seen the, the whole Netflix documentary on that hotel? No. Which hotel is it? Is it the... Cecil? The name of it. Cecil? Hotel Cecil? I can't remember. It's the one where son, uh, where uh, what's his uh, fuck stayed, the killer, strangler, whatever guy. <clears throat> Which strangler? Hello? Uh, I can't remember oh, now off the top of my head. Sorry, I was looking at my uh, desk. Uh, what is this called? Internet browser. So I couldn't see if you were moving or not. Is it the Cecil? Yeah, I think it's the Cecil, but it's changed its name to Stay on Main. Okay. Um. Yeah, but... It just says reputation for violence, suicide, and murder, which is not great. You know, there was a story. There was a crazy story. It's right there in in Skid Row, right in the heart, you know. Yeah. Um, We lived in downtown. The way that downtown is set up, uh, there's two freeways, the 110, which goes sort of north-south at this point, and then the 101, which is sort of east-west. And in the uh, fourth quadrant of that, um, the, like, lower right quadrant if you're looking at a map um that's downtown and we lived right on the other side of the 110 when we lived in you know we would call it downtown um because echo park wouldn't have us Mm -hmm. um so (laughs) we we like right at that corner uh apparently there was a story uh from a japanese tourist i believe maybe business person that was coming to la to like try to open a business or something brought their wife and um both of them were like murdered right on the other side of where we lived <laughs> like oh the, damn wanted um but it was something that like the the guy was trying to do some business deal and i think it was like he was actually doing something shady, like dealing with maybe some more mobster types for the business deal, but the wife was unaware of it. And, uh, but she got caught up in it, like came to the hotel and saw that they were attacking him or something like that. Saw something she shouldn't have seen. Yeah, that's rough. Um, or they were trying to get to her to put pressure on him. Possibly. Yeah, I can't remember because the hotel they stayed in was in Little Tokyo that's like still there. Uh, But I think maybe their bodies were found like right on the other side of the 110 or something. Uh, Freaky stuff. I don't know. We're out of Halloween time. Yeah. Why are we talking about ghosts? So spooky. No, uh, Night Stalker, Richard Ramirez, 666, the guy who thought he was Satan. He's the one who stayed in Hotel Cecil. I don't know anything about the Night Stalker. Ooh, it's 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 another good documentary if you want to see a lot of cop hero where they think where they talk about how awesome they are when the guy basically turned, turned himself in and they couldn't catch him at all during any of the times. But man, those oh, detectives a- like to talk about how awesome they did. We did an awesome job. Was this the guy that would like just go into people's houses? Yeah. And then um, put the plates on the like husband's body and or whatever, and say if I hear a dish move, you know, then you're I kill your wife type of thing, all the weird stuff, and then up killing everyone anyway. So weird. Um, 
Yeah, I'm not really into serial killers as we spoke about uh, last week, two weeks ago. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, not really. You know, I don't want to glorify it, but, you know, if you want to, that's cool. That's fine. <laughs> well, we didn't go You're by... giving th- them a platform here. Yeah, we, we, didn't, we didn't go by the Gacy house when we were in Chicago. So, speaking of yeah, serial killers... Yeah, I didn't killers. know he was Chicago. <clears throat> okay, so tell me what you did. Uh, so... We got into town, TC and I got into town uh, the night before everyone else did. Um, and that was cool. We went and got a late night Portillo's, which is always a treat. Um, as as we were walking uh, down the street, uh, two African-American gentlemen were walking towards us. And uh, one just exclaimed at the top of his voice to his friend, Watch out, that inn is blind. And so... <laughs> I felt that it was a term of endearment, and I kind of feel like I've been accepted into the community. That's nice. <laughs> <laughs> but which of you was he talking about? Oh, definitely me. Not, oh, okay. Not, not TC. I don't think he well, thought I TC don't know. was blind. <laughs> Depends on what recreational activities were going <clears throat> on. None yet. I mean, we had just we had just gotten into town. No, no dispensaries are open at midnight or whatever when we landed. Oh man. Um, well, how is Chicago at midnight? I guess we did it. We it's still going, you know. Around. Goes it's, doesn't sleep not till four a.m. and anything closes. Well, I guess maybe because the cold, I would imagine they would kind of want to be shuffling people, you know, home. That was the other thing. Um, it felt like Houston pretty much the oh. whole time we were in Chicago because uh, the storms that were causing havoc in Texas and tornadoes and everything were sucking up a ton of moisture from the south and pushing it up into Chicago. So it was like 80 humid, 80% humidity and 75 degrees and muggy. It was gross. Global warning. Yep. Um, so, yeah, that was pretty cool. Then uh, the next day when we were waiting, um, TC and I were just chilling out by the Wilco Towers. And uh, some dude walked past us and uh, he goes, oh, hey, TC. Oh, hey, what? Josh. And then he just kept walking. And I was like, hey. And he didn't, there was no follow up, which was really weird because I've been with TC a lot when people have been like, oh, hey, TC. Yeah. But then to know that I, who I was too was really weird. But then to not like say who he is or like say, stop and say hi or to just say it as you hurriedly walked past us on the bench. So if you were that person in Chicago, if you were that person next time, you know, I'm down to, especially if we're in another city, <laughs> what is going on? That's it's so very, weird. It's very random. If you're that person, let me know. I have no, we had no idea who it was. It all <laughs> no. happened so fast and the, per- and they just kept walking. So I don't even know. That's um, hilarious. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, then, uh, Dan got into town. We were going to the Notre Dame Clemson game because Dan's daughter is in the Clemson band and, uh, she's a junior now. So she gets to have the ability to choose which road games she goes to with the band. Cause not the whole band travels. Um, and so TC had invited Dan way back in the summer, made this plan to go to the game. So it all worked out pretty cool. Um, and when Dan got into town, um, he met with his daughter for a little bit, and then we got into his rental car, which was another funny story, because <laughs> Dan had to get a rental car, which wasn't part of the original plan, but 
I, I could totally sympathize with this experience. TC and I were already downtown. Dan has never done any of the mass transit in Chicago, just like you had never done it when you came, you know, and you mm-hmm. were landing on your own. But uh, did it no problem. And so TC explains like, oh, you can get the train. You can come meet us. This will be the stop that's like centrally located to down- where we are, kind of close also to your daughter's hotel. It'll all be right here. So Dan's like, cool. So at the airport, he gets on what he thinks is the train for the public transit, but it is actually just the airport tram system. Oh, no. <laughs> and he rode around the airport for a few times. <laughs> oh, no. And we called him. We're like, man, you know, it's been a while. And he's like, I'm still at the airport. And like, oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. And so after he feel it, you know, had done a couple laps, the doors opened and uh, he, all he saw was the Hertz rent-a-car counter. And he was like, you know what? <laughs> okay. I'm a Hertz Gold member. I can just walk up and rent a car <laughs> and take care of this right yeah. now. <laughs> I don't have to Man. deal with this headache anymore. <laughs> oh, no. but i don't that know if, funny. <laughs> i don't know if it's because of the pandemic or what but like he's you know the gold members can walk right up to the counter um and he was like okay yeah so she, the lady's like what's your reservation number he's like well i didn't reserve a car i'm you know, but i'm a gold member i see you got a lot available just like to reserve one she's like can't do that you'd have to reserve one on our mobile app and he's like really oh, god and so he stood there and pulled up the mobile app, reserved it on the mobile app. And she's like, okay, now I see it here on my system, Mr. McDowell. <laughs> and then got him. I call. hate the app thing. It's, it's like the only like, way they can aggregate any information now is via the app portal. No one can like actually enter it in manually on, on an actual device for the company. How much money do these companies need? Like, it's driving me insane. Because you know that's just to collect data to sell to somebody. Right, 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 right. Like, there's no reason that they need you to do that. Like, at the... I've been going bonkers trying to get stuff, like, for this house. Like, run into Home Depot or whatever. Like, we got a fireplace, so I'm needing to do some stuff with that. And just, like, things that... I would rather do it myself than deal with uh, the landlord and stuff, which like one of the hinges broke on our cabinet. I Mm -hmm. emailed them because I couldn't find the hinge at the at Lowe's or Home Depot. And if they don't have it, I doubt a mom and pop, you know, hardware store is going to have a hundred thirty five degree lazy Susan hinge for a cabinet door. Uh, So I just emailed them and they like brought it by or whatever. And I fixed it myself. So. Not that they're, uh, other than being a landlord, seemingly bad, you know, response time or whatever, but whatever. And it's, the layout of every Home Depot should be the same. The layout (laughs) of every, it should be the same as Lowe's. It should be the same as the grocery store, really. Like Mm -hmm. you should, it should be like the periodic table. You should have grocery store on like, it's the one and two column and then the, you know, far right columns then the center is kind of that miscellaneous zone that's where you would have put all of the hardware stuff you know right the grocery store makes a lot of needs to make sense too because you need people you want people to go kind of in the same direction you don't want people like navigating both ends of the store counterclockwise and clockwise and then crashing into each other in the middle and I hate that exactly. like sometimes all the cold stuff is like on the left side of the grocery store and then sometimes it's all on the right side. Like you want the cold stuff to kind of be 
on one end because you want to grab that at the end. You don't want to grab all your cold stuff at the beginning of your trip and then just have all that stuff sitting in your lukewarm cart oh, as you're Josh, but shopping for cans of soup. What if instead we put the cold stuff on the left and then back wall and then we had uh, cold stuff in the middle of the store and then we chose another uh, fourth aisle to put just one <laughs> row of cold stuff on? It's it's driving me insane. And But to have like where it shows you where stuff is, got to download the app. Yeah. Like I'm, not, I'm not doing that. What, the greatness though, I just ordered some stuff online and... I assume because of the pandemic, they have those lockers and didn't even have to step foot in the store. Oh, that's cool. Like it's They just outside. load your stuff in the locker and you grab it. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, as long as it fits. But yeah, it's, I've been going nuts. The, uh, the app for Lowe's is really good. I will say this just because I don't go to the hardware store really at all anymore, but I do need to buy stuff at the hardware store and it's usually like I Nikki will get it on her way home, but I can buy it like on the app or I can locate it exactly in the store because it'll say like aisle 17, bin 32, you know, it'll tell you exactly the thing where it is. And then she doesn't have to like go looking. I don't just have to say, hey, we need some new air filters. And then she's got to go wandering through the store for 45 minutes trying to find the right kind. It's just all right there for that does help out. The I feel like they've changed their aprons too at the the hardware stores. It used to say, you know, how can I help you? And now it's just like, catch me if you can. Like they're just like, <laughs> like they see you in the aisle. And no, that's that's the biggest scam at the hardware store. Is like there's only a few people that actually work there, but then there's also all these like offshoot, uh, like scam salesmen that work there too that are trying to like rope you into uh doing some do remodel or like some fucking other shit that they don't work for the store, but they're just, they're hawking their shit at the store and mm-hmm. they look like they work at the store. The great thing about uh, being unemployed is I can go to the store during the week, but I accidentally for the first time and it might be like a decade <laughs> went to home Depot on a Saturday, like this past weekend. And apparently that's where people go. Did you get a on hot dog in the parking lot? No. Oh. <laughs> I, I nearly got a bullet for my brain. <laughs> <laughs> do they do elote in the parking lot like they do here? Uh, Some of them might. Some places might. Um. The the one that we're at doesn't really have foot traffic around it. There's like a metro bus station nearby, but it's one of those like park and ride ones. It's the one that goes the bus that goes to downtown. Okay. It goes on the freeway, which also bus that drives on the freeway in its own lane has its own concrete barrier for the bus lane in the middle of the freeway. They but saw we can't put a train there. They saw speed. They know that you need a dedicated <laughs> bus lane. Just in case. Just put a train. Just build a train. But see, we already built all these highways. Well. <laughs> like if we're a not, train I mean, can fit on we one, could, right? We could, say, we could just say, look, just stop making bigger highways. We're, we're fine with just locking the infrastructure in the way that it is now. Except we're just going to have a ton of buses. Just 
buses on buses on buses everywhere is going to be like every five minutes a bus is pulling up. Anywhere you want, you can hop on that bus and there'll be a bus going to anywhere you want. There's just buses going all the time to the point where we don't even need lots of people having cars because we just are filling this shit up with buses. Just make it like Disney World, just fucking shuttles and trams running in every direction, like every couple minutes, everywhere. That would be nice, but instead, no, it's like a 35 minutes between buses <laughs> and they don't really connect. You got to take six buses to get one mile. It's great. Who? How, how do they design it? Like, did they go to Ford and say, can you design our bus routes? I don't know. Like in Dallas, it sucks because if you want to take a bus north-south or if you want to take a train north-south, it actually can work out in your favor a lot of the time. Like the routes work generally north-south. If you want to go east or west at all in the city, impossible. It's just impossible to make a connection. No trains really travel in that direction at all. So you have to take buses and only a couple buses do and they don't travel regularly at all. So to travel east-west at all in Dallas is going to take you a couple hours if you're taking mass transit. Jesus. Just put a just put one loop, you know? Whatever. <laughs> I hate it. <clears throat> Hub and spoke this bitch. <sighs> yeah, so uh, got in. Uh, then we, we picked up Justin and went to dinner, which was excellent. We my first time in the new Chinatown district in Chicago, which is right next to old Chinatown. I don't know what the difference is other than maybe like one is just a newer development, but it's really cool. Um, and the, we went to this awesome restaurant, you know, authentic to the point where they gave you the menu that just had the pictures of the food on it. Cause like, okay. There's they no, knew. yeah, they, they knew. <laughs> and then Justin was like, okay, I've been here before and I'll, I'll fill out the stuff on the iPad. So we get all this correct for, for the orders. So that, that was really great. Um, and, uh, we stayed in an awesome little house in South Bend. It just got an Airbnb. South Bend is cool, but it's, even though this, the actual university of Notre Dame is in the town, it is the least college town town that you've ever been in. Like hmm. no real student cross pollination with the town proper. The, the university is set up to be like, isn't the campus so awesome that you never want to leave? <laughs> is this a Catholic thing? I, I mean, it's a Catholic thing maybe, but like uh, definitely the, we went to a bar, you know, right next to the house to watch the football games you know, before the night game, um, and, uh, no college kids at all. Not everyone was, we were the youngest people there. Everyone else there was of retirement age. And the people that we saw there at night were like definitely old retirees spending their social security on booze type of place, which is cool. My people, my type of people, <laughs> but just not what you would, when you think of like college town or whatever, like even Waco, I would think is more of a, uh, get out and, and Ooh. fuck around than, uh, than South Bend is. Yeah. Sir. Well, I don't know about now, but when I was a, 
in college, it was, there were places, I guess, that students went and locals didn't really go. And then there were local places that students never went. There was like no cross-pollination. It didn't feel like a college town. It felt, but I think that was mostly because um, the city was like so broke, you know? Yeah. Like it used to have industry and it got destroyed. And then Baylor was just like, but this college is really nice, right? And Yeah. HGTV know, like, hadn't bought great. the town yet. <laughs> right there was yeah. chip and whatever her face is weren't around JoJo. yet jojo yeah they hadn't yeah, they weren't I, existing yet yeah so it was uh i wonder what it is now but um i will be dead before i go back there <laughs> you cannot you could not pay me if we had some baylor student organization formed around this podcast that paid for us to come do a recording there or something i would uh skype in i think what what if they ask you to do a mural like in the new student center we want to bring back one of our alumni to do a mural if i have final say (laughs) and that means that i'll find a way to put uh antichrist (laughs) but that's what i was gonna say it it would have to be a mural of ken star getting raped in the ass by a strap-on that looked like the crucifix with just every woman in waco taking turns raping him sure um that's a graphic image (laughs) (laughs) but uh maybe i won't paint that maybe i won't put my name on that one um just give old ken the Gaddafi treatment it was yeah um won't be going back there, but sure, I'll do that mural. <laughs> so yeah, the um, like the scene was really cool, and the fact that we had a house made it really easy because the the game that I went to before with TC USC, it's it's great, but like if you don't have a place to stay there, if you're staying in Chicago the whole time, it's a long drive there, you know, like ninety minutes to two hours. And then you got to go early enough to do all the stuff, which means you're just kind of like, okay, we're here on campus. We're just going to be here for four or five hours, six hours before the game. Then we're going to watch the whole game. Then it's going to be a long way to get out of the parking lot and a two hour drive back to Chicago, which it's fun, but man, it does take everything out of you. But if you have a house there, it's like, wow, then TC and Dan wanted to go to the bookstore to get some merch and check out the campus but they just did that like at around noon we're gone for an hour came back and then we took an afternoon nap before the game so we, we really old manned our, our way through this thing really great this time <laughs> is there like stuff to do uh around there like what is the campus like? well like on game day there's a ton of things you know there's like the kind of uh, stuff set up all around the campus, you know, like tents and DJs and people making, uh, like there's the whole tailgating scene, obviously. And like, uh, TC's, uh, cousin and his aunt rented an RV and stayed in the RV parking lot this time. So we went and said hi to them in their RV. That was pretty cool. Um, but other than the tailgating scene, like actually on the campus proper, there are a lot of, um, sort of party tents and things like that. No alcohol being sold on the campus or anything, but, uh, you know, you can get food and Cokes and stuff for the kids to do face painting and people playing cornhole and, you know, was it like a homecoming game? 
Uh, it was not a homecoming. I don't think it was even like the senior game or anything. I think just the significance was that it was Clemson in town and they were the number four team in the country coming to town. Um, so that's interesting because I can't imagine anything. I mean, can you imagine other, many other schools except like, you know, I would imagine UT does a lot of stuff. I would imagine, uh, well, I don't even think USC would do that. Like have stuff all over campus on game days and people, there's like a, we know somebody that lives in San Diego that she's ridden the bus from San Diego up like the, the USC bus. to. Oh go yeah. To yeah. The they have like the shuttle that brings people from other parts of California. Yeah. But I, I think the campus is like just open for, I mean, you can go on it, but what are you going to do? Like go to the Trader Joe's or look at the bookstore. Like that was the stuff that the bookstore is Baylor is slammed at Notre Dame on game days. Yeah. It's gotta be ridiculous at most colleges, but that I thought was like the only thing to do on a campus Mm -hmm. when you go back for a football game. Well, and, um, uh, before COVID they had a lot more like pageantry type of tradition things where like you'd go into some of the older built there's like an older building there that's got this big rotunda thing and the Mm -hmm. band would all perform under that big dome and so all the fans would be under on the floor and the band would perform and it would all echo out before like the game would start you know to get everybody pumped up and then everyone would march over to the stadium from there together um and they used to have like pep rallies but I don't think they're doing that right now just because of COVID or uh, those were a COVID casualty doing all the indoor type of stuff. They're not doing it. Huh. Um, and like there is, they have the the chapel open and th- there's a lot of people that go. There's like a mass and stuff in the afternoon before the games and you can go and pray and do all those things if you're real trad Catholic about it. Did you pray on Notre Dame's downfall? No, like, no. Try to cancel when, out. Well, when we went to the USC game last year, I got admonished for uh, spritzing the holy water. Because I guess... What do you mean? You know, you when you walk in, there's like the bowl of holy water and you grab and you, you do a little drop and you cross yourself, you know? But I was right. like, I was a little liberal with my spritzing of the water. I guess that's what, <laughs> what I was does that told. He <laughs> grabbed a handful. <laughs> I, I, I guess I was just too flamboyant about it. <laughs> <laughs> you never like. I can't imagine you making a mockery of that at all. <laughs> so, uh, yeah the uh, the game was cool. Um, Clemson was obviously favored, uh, but and Dan had chosen them as his triple play. <clears throat> And, you know, he's down. He's last in last place and picks with friends. And so that was a big topic of the trip, you know, getting ready for him having to do the bus trip from Dallas to Phoenix for the Super Bowl. And how's he going to handle that and all all of those things. Um, So because the game turned into a laugher so quick, I, you know, his emotional turmoil of losing his triple play, I don't think was as palpable because all you could really do is just kind of chuckle at, at how insane it was that Clemson is being destroyed by right now by this team. And they have no, and Clemson like had no chance in the game, not, not a chance in the world. Cause one, like, um, 
obviously God was on the side of Notre Dame because he sent a massive windstorm to make it such that like any any ball that was in the air, whether it was a kick or a throw, like was immediately just blown off course. <laughs> like the, if you had a if your if your strategy for this game was to come out and throw it all over the field, you were gonna lose. Which is basically what happened. Like you could not throw the ball and and Clemson had no stomach for the fight of just mashing into each other for, you know, uh five yards in a cloud of dust type of type of game. Are they not that type of team? I, I just don't they're they're not built that way. They're built around speed and perimeter game, it seemed like. And that's what they were trying to run the whole game. But the, of course the game started with them going three and out and then immediately getting the punt blocked back into their face. And we were we were sitting in the end zone like two or, or three rows back from the wall on the end zone just to the right of the goalpost. And um, so, and that's the end zone that uh, Clemson was backed up to for their first drive. And the punter was kicking out of the end zone and he punted it. And like two guys just came right up the middle, unblocked in the punt formation and blocked the punt right back into his face. And Notre Dame had a touchdown and a seven, nothing lead with like 40 seconds into the game. And they haven't even had the (laughs) ball yet. And so, yeah, (laughs) we knew how it was going to go. A running team? Uh, yeah, I mean, at least for this game, they definitely were. And, uh, you know, they have they had a good running attack. As Clemson didn't have a way to um, to stop them just from keeping, kept running the ball and running the ball and running the ball. And it didn't really matter because then Notre Dame also had two, inter- uh, one interception for a touchdown. <laughs> that also happened when Clemson, in the second half, when Clemson was coming towards us in the end zone. They had marked, it was the first drive that Clemson had all game where they had like marched down the field in 10 plays. And they were on the five yard line and um, dropped back to pass, miss, you know, uh, the miscommunication between the wide receiver and the quarterback. Quarterback thought the wide receiver was going to button up the route and turn around, and the wide receiver kept running towards the back pylon. Uh, quarterback just hopped right in front of that pass, picked it off, 97 yard return for a touchdown the other way. <laughs> That's rough. Just and so then, is and TC Dan's losing just it, heavy or? sighing. Oh yeah, TC's going crazy because like, and everyone is going crazy because the consensus of everyone in the crowd going into the game was like, man, maybe we can keep it close, but we don't have a chance. Type of that was the atmosphere, yeah. and there was there's a ton of Clemson fans there too, um, and Notre Dame is known as being like a very friendly place to opposing crowds. Like it's very Midwestern, all shucks. You know, good game, guys. Glad you came up here and had a good time um, type of atmosphere. And uh, so, like, Clemson, people are, like, running around before the game doing all of their fight chants and screaming out in the ticket lines and everything. And, like, Notre Dame people aren't really even responding or giving them hell or saying, oh, no, come on, guys. Go Notre Dame. <laughs> <It's> n- <laughs> like, none of that is even happening. That's how, like, well, you know, we're just trying to be good hosts. You guys can say whatever you want in our barn. Um, and, uh, but, so when it turned, when the whole game turned, like, about six minutes left with the fourth quarter, in the fourth quarter, like, everyone in the stands is starting to rumble. We're going to fucking storm the field. Like, 
It's ha- like this is gonna happen. Like, what are they gonna do? Are they gonna stop all of us? Like, how's that? How's that gonna go? <laughs> They're not gonna stop us. And um, so, it's like, yeah, yeah, you know. And we're all sit, and we're all sitting there, and um, like, I'm geeked to go. And TC's like, man, if everybody goes, I definitely want to go. This is a huge opportunity. Justin's definitely down to go. And you know, Dan, he had the energy of like, man, it's really cold. I lost my triple play. Maybe, you know, there's no chance Clemson can come back. There's like uh, four minutes left in the game. Maybe this is a good chance for us to get out of here and beat the traffic. You know, that was like kind of the vibe that he was about to ask us. And then when I guess he saw that we were all geeked and really like serious about this, he got his uh, second win and was like, all right, fuck it. Let's, I'm sick around. Let's do this. (laughs) So um, people start coming from the upper decks and behind us. And start like filing down towards the field because this is going to happen. Like everyone's going to do it. The whole fucking 80,000 crowd stadium is going to do this. Um, And at that point, like even if you didn't want to do it, there's no way that you could have like turned around and like walked up the aisle to go back out to the exit onto the concourse there because the entire aisles were filled with thousands of people. And you could feel they're they're not seats at Notre Dame. It's just like bleachers, you know. So, uh-huh. um, so people can just come straight. People down. can just come straight down, and you can feel the pressure of the people building up behind you, you know. And um, yeah. like there, it's starting to actually kind of push on you, and you're like, oh crap, this is a lot of people. And you, quickly in your head, like the things go through, like don't accident, don't uh, get your foot pinned between like the bleacher. And like the, yeah. the step down of the concrete, because if anyone comes behind you, then you're just going to go forward and your knee, <laughs> your knee is going to hyperextend the wrong way and you're going to yeah, be yeah. fucked. Um, so like lots of those little things are going through my head. Um, and I'm trying to stay close to Dan as the crowd is sort of lifting us up and pushing us down because um, he's on the aisle. Then there's like this uh, uh lady who's right next to me on my left side and she's maybe five foot tall um like she wasn't even up to like my armpit where her head was and she was like gung-ho screaming let's go let's go and at one point when the surge really starts happening right when the game ends like i feel her get wedged between the guy behind her and my back and i can feel that both of her feet are not touching the ground like she's just like she's just like being lifted between our two bodies and is just kind of squeeze floating down towards the field with us and so that was a little scary you know because i was like she wasn't doing really anything to protect like her space you know she was just like arms up in the air woo, and like you're you're the you're the casual you're going to be the casualty out of this situation so i mean is is like the South Korea situation going through your head too? A little bit, but mainly the pro- mainly what's going through my head is like January 6th. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Cuz that's what it feels like a lot more like there's a lot of big big body squatty midwestern dudes, you know, with their with their jackets on and and beanies and we're all you, no no anger, but just like there, there's the vibe because, and this is the reason, there's one Notre Dame field security guard who is like standing his ground. One, like every every other one on on the entire field is just letting everyone down. 
And because at the end of our aisle, because it's where the field is, there's a gate and you open that gate and then there's stairs that go right down to the field. It's because the seats are like uh, on top of an eight and a half foot tall wall. And then down at the base of that wall is the field. And mm-hmm. he has decided that this is his defending the Capitol moment. Like he is not going to let oh, no. anyone go down these stairs. So what's happening is that as people are trying to get to those stairs in the aisle, he's blocking them and the people way back don't know that. And so they keep pushing down and then the funnel of like World War Z um, zombie bodies is smashing up against this and then having to spread out up against the wall. And then people are just having to just like leap over because if they don't leap over, they're going to get smashed. So you just got to jump down the eight feet because like this guy's not letting the letting the thing open and every all the pressure is coming from behind you. You can't stop it from happening. Everyone's moving. Um, Did he actually bob it anybody? No, but so we're we're down there and Dan's trying to get over to those stairs because he's leading me thinking that I need to go to the stairs. The guy's like denying all the people, which flushes us way to the right of where the stairwell is and Dan's like oh no what do we do and I'm like fuck it jump just go jump down because like I'm feeling people push behind me it's like we don't have an option here and so Dan Dan hops over and then I hop over in a way where I'm like holding myself and like lowering myself down because I'm not exactly sure where the floor is you know to feel where it is and uh well first I I go cane over the side lean the cane down on the wall then I hop down, pick the cane up. Then I turn around because I thought that that lady was right behind me. And I didn't know if she like she was small. I didn't know if she was going to have any ability of hopping down that height. And yeah. but when I turn around to help her, it's Justin falling into my arm. <laughs> <laughs> and right as Justin hits the ground, I'm like, oh, the, a big, big Midwestern boy rolls over the side of the wall like Humpty Dumpty rolls like right on log rolls down onto the ground and kind of like when uh, an offensive lineman like gets rolled up on the back of his legs he like rolled up right on the back of my legs but I was I like felt it and hopped forward just in the right amount of time so I didn't get like pinned up on the back of that just all these things happening in like split seconds like all of that happened in maybe a three-second span. Um, and when the security guard saw me, uh, like, fuck it, blind guy with a cane jumped over the wall, that's when he finally relented and was like, okay. And he opened the gate. And then TC just walked gingerly down the steps to me. <laughs> <laughs> that's perfect for TC's character arc. <clears throat> yeah, but that that was awesome. Just like... It was a cool, it was an incredibly cool scene. And like, I didn't notice until Dan's video that he shared afterwards, but like the entire Clemson team is in that corner of the end zone where we jumped down with their cheerleaders and all of their staff. And they're doing their whole um, end of game ritual where they play with the band and all that stuff. And not one Notre Dame fan or anybody is bothering them. Like no one's going over there and getting in their face, you know, saying you bunch of losers or in you know, nothing, no instigation of any kind of violence or bullying or poor sportsmanship or anything at all. And it, it was just a kind of a weird, surreal experience of like the most courteous, um, 
mob scene I've ever been in my life. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. So does this now, uh, have you admitted guilt and you're going to be at a trial here in a few, few months? Nope. Nope. They were, they were all cool about it. Um, and then the, uh, the PA guy, we had met him the night before when we were out for drinks. Cause he's in Dallas. He's a big P one listens to IJB and stuff is, um, he's just coming over the loudspeaker saying, we appreciate your enthusiasm. Now, if you could please make your way to any of the exits, all field exits are currently open. We need you to leave the field. Thank you very much. And then everyone's just like, oh, shucks. Okay. And then they just, everyone very nicely slowly walked off the field. And that took a while because, you know, the entire contents of the stadium was on the field. And even yeah. though we were close, like kind of close back to where we had came on you know, you kind of have to go two by two up those stairs again in order to get yeah. out. So we got out, um, went and partied afterwards, had some beers at a place, and then uh, just got an Uber home back to the Airbnb after that. Um, drove uh, back to Chicago early that morning, went to our favorite little diner. Dan got to try the tuna melt tuna of the time. century. Yep. Tuna <laughs> time. Yeah, because he's pescatarian, right? Yep. Yep, he was finding good things to eat all the whole trip, and uh, yeah, that was our that was our little adventure <laughs> that we survived. Have you looked into like crowd crush science at all? Oh yeah, when um, there used to be a thing, I don't know, this had to be like two thousand eight or something. Uh, it was about like mosh pits and it was uh, uh -huh. a very early like study in um in crowd fluid dynamics and it was like a widget that you could see where they had done the paper but it was like with a bunch of red and blue dots and you could see the how they moved around inside of a space depending mm -hmm. on like the energy of the space and how they were moving and like how that defines how many people could fit in that space and then the more people you put in, the more that changes the dynamic and all of that type of stuff. It was that was a really cool thing, and then it all got brought back up with the whole Travis Scott Astro World deal. Yeah, and have you seen the South Korean Halloween? I have not. Crowd Crush. I just I just oh, listened you know to the NPR story about it. Okay, yeah. I mean, it's it's pretty terrible. There's like, um. I mean, I, I've seen so much of it because we watch, you know, Japanese TV and any whenever we watch it at night, that's like close to noontime in Japan mm -hmm. and it's just showing us the live feed and that's usually just news. So they're covering it like nonstop because um, they it, Tokyo also has like a big Halloween thing in Shibuya. Um, that's like the what people call like the scramble across like where there's it's like an what would you even it's like an omnidirectional crosswalk that's like super popular it's yeah the big you know you could walk diagonally or straight or whatever um and that's usually where people do halloween stuff so i think the you know korean one happens so they're just kind of like oh um but how does it i mean you're saying like that the people at the back couldn't see that the front wasn't letting you through but I can't get into the mindset of someone in the back who's just like pushing a crowd of people. But is it is it one of those fluid dynamic things where like 
I would just be adding my tiny bit of pressure at the back and that just yeah. my magnitude and it, Yeah, increases. that's exactly what happens. And if you're not exactly in the back, like you're three quarters of the way back, you feel the pressure on your back. And so right. you naturally are like, I need to, I need to move a little bit forward to alleviate right. that, which you create it then. And it just keeps passing the energy down. And then at some point, which is at the front, there's no place to release the energy anymore. Yeah. Man, that stuff's nuts though. Yeah. And well, it's... that's what Dan, that's what Dan was talking about. Cause he had just been reading the story about like South Korea right. and had, uh, he would, in his mind was fresh. Like you need to like make a box with your arms in front of your chest to give yourself, make sure you maintain enough space for your chest to expand so you can breathe, even if it gets really tight. And if you fall, you know, Make sure you roll on your side so that no one like steps through your back or through your chest and you die. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which I would imagine a Notre Dame crowd is going to pick somebody up. Yeah, I mean, but that's that, that, like the... and that's but that's the thing is like one when everything is already at an angle going down oh, yeah, towards the true. field like losing your balance and f- if you fall forward at all, you're fucked. Like you could maybe lose your balance backwards and you'd be okay just because the angle is working for you with gravity and the other people pushing behind you are there to kind of help lift you up. But if you fall forward, you're falling more than just 90 degrees. You're falling like 130 degrees all the way down in order to meet that slope. And there's no, all the motion is going that way too. So there's nothing to catch you in that in that way at all. It's it's why it's always scary. Like not even in this situation, but like I'm always terrified when what those like fights that happen in at football games. Just like two drunk guys at the top yeah. like start swinging at each other. Like if the guy falls towards the field, like it's so easy to go down three four rows as as you fall t- tumble head over heels and there's no way you can protect yourself in that type of a fall no but man can i not look away from those <laughs> yeah i know <laughs> but i i didn't you know there were no uh crash carts or any medics for any twisted ankles or anything like that that we noticed when we were leaving the stadium or on the field it looked like everybody made it out unscathed that's pretty good uh, are there like drunk people at this game? Like, oh, is it yeah. a rowdy? Okay. So they don't sell alcohol at the stadium or on campus, obviously. But there's like, like the guy in front of us, he had like blue Powerade and a giant cup the whole time. But I'm uh-huh. pretty sure he had spiked, was spiking that with something because he was getting rowdier and rowdier as the evening was going. Um, and the, the more not a good mix the more and more his wondering. mouth what had become entirely blue <laughs> his teeth <laughs> tongue lips everything had become blue that's when you knew he was really getting into it um but yeah there's there's definitely people that are like just chugging the lights out of everything until they get on the shuttle bus out of the parking lot to go to the stadium you know so all the mm-hmm. beer all the uh, trash cans that are next to where the shuttles take you or that are right outside of the campus are just you know full of beer cans and all that type of stuff because everyone's trying to God. pound it and I'm That's sure there's people that feeling. leave I'm sure there's people that leave at halftime 
to run down to wherever they stashed a bunch of booze to oh yeah to get relit and then get back up there. That's a college move. We we know? were just focused on the weed. Like we had brought pre rolls and stuff, and then we right as we exited the stadium, we lit up a big joint to celebrate. So. I don't know if that's illegal to, for me to say, or I'll just say I did. No, no one else participated <laughs> but me. <laughs> You're such a nice guy. You're the bag man, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh man. Well, I'm glad you had a safe time. It was. It was. It was a nice. It was a nice safe trip. Um, the drive was really great too. Just I don't know. We we must have timed it perfect both times we were able to do it in like 85 minutes both ways <laughs> was dan driving yeah dan was driving so maybe that's why his top gun type of instincts behind the wheel really came in handy <laughs> yeah i've never seen it obviously uh but only heard stories <laughs> um, <clears throat> and then uh i guess in in other news i i did finish the first book of three body problem all right so, how was it? It was great. I, I think uh, Justin and I convinced Dan to put it on his reading list. Okay. Yeah. That'll be interesting. So, now I um, now that I know it's like a fucking trilogy, I got to start the next book. Yeah. Well, you'll join me um, because I'm, I had so much stuff going on that I've only read like 150 pages of it. So, it's... Um, I think it does a good job of of making it feel realistic. I'll say that. I have the, no idea how they're going to turn this into a Netflix series. After me neither. That, like it's too daunting. I, I it seems this seems like a bigger undertaking than try to make make Game of Thrones a television series. <laughs> like I don't know how people are even going to get it. Like, how are they even going to understand what's going on if you're just like kind of do it the way the book lays it out? People are going to be like confused by episode eight and be like, out, out. Yeah, it, I I mean, I would like it to be almost just exactly what the book is. Um, but isn't that everyone who reads a book and then they turn it into a thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I'm afraid, though, that they're going to like condense book one into like half of the first episode. right. Because because uh, they want it, they they need this to be shown in China. <laughs> How are they going to yeah, do that? <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Well, that's that's one thing. Um, I don't. I haven't read up on them making it into a TV show at all. Are they? Is it going to be made like in China and then translated? That's what I'm hoping. Or are they going to make it where it's like? You know, an American is at a nuclear missile missile silo, and yeah, you Nevada redo it dur- like during McCarthyism or something. Yeah, are they gonna? The first message is it? received like in 1950s, where Arthur Miller is on trial and <laughs> standing up to Joseph McCarthy. Yeah, I don't know the the book two does a really good job of trying to help you understand how different types of people would um encounter the news i guess or deal with it um but that also seems like that's that's way more because it's not the expanse the expanse has like you know ships blowing up in the first 
30 mm-hmm. minutes of the show. And this, I don't, I mean, I haven't read book three, uh, but I don't know if like they actually encounter <laughs> aliens at any point in the trilogy. Yeah. So, I, maybe if they do it all from the perspective of like inside of the game at the beginning, like if that's like mm. the way that they unpeel the onion from the inside first, you know, you start where everyone you're just in this this dude trying to play this game type of thing, and then you yeah slowly yeah. slowly the curtains keep peeling back and you see oh there's a bigger layer oh there's another bigger layer and type of thing like that. Yeah. Yeah, it might be one of those. Um, just need to rewatch The Expanse, I guess. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I wonder uh, how the books were, because I know Justin has mentioned um, the difference between like the books and the, because you haven't read the books, right? No, I have For The not, Expanse. No. Um, but I guess, I don't know. I think he said that it was way more politics-y in the books, and it was talking about was it i think he said most of it was based on earth like earth and mars and then like the stuff like the main story of the tv show was just like kind of a like news updates you would get yeah, in yeah. some of the books uh, or maybe i guess it was more the man i can't even remember his name the detective um uh why you do this Whatever to his me name is. why you do this to me you're the, you're the, the one, you're the the one who had the podcast. <laughs> Anyways, um, well, anything else fun happened while I was me. gone? Did I miss anything? Uh, elections. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. How are your calves? Oh, you know, we're gonna have to. They're looking real supple. I've been keeping them inside of a little cage so they can never, you know, like have their muscles develop in any way. It's going to be the most tender veal you've ever had in your life. (laughs) Are they sufficiently uncramped? (laughs) So uncramped. Oh, I did. I did have a wicked Charlie horse the first night in, uh, in Chicago or in, uh, in South Bend. And I was trying to get up in this creaky old house to like walk it off. I was trying not to wake Justin up. I was like, all because all I wanted to do was like slam my fist on the bed as I was trying to get out of <laughs> bed. It was bad. <laughs> I've been getting them because I've been uh, throwing weight around at a real gym now. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Nice. You're going to be so swole for this Blink-182 show. You're getting ready yeah, for that yeah. turnstile pit is what you're doing. <laughs> I'm trying to get into turnstile because you've mentioned them before. Um, but I don't know. Maybe I need to read their lyrics. The lyrics are good. I I think watch even just like watching their full concert some of their full concert videos on YouTube, just the energy is The energy's great, yeah. Um, but the the content of the songs, it seems like an outgrowth of pop punk to me. Uh, which I suppose it is, right? Yeah, it's more. I it it's more hardcore to me, but those those both have like very similar origins. Like uh, I just I came into hardcore from the very political message angle, you know. So it's hard for me to now match it with like more um, 
emotional storytelling or personal uh i don't know how would you describe their i I would say that it's turnstiles uh lyrics they do have um political undertones and you know uh collectivist type of uh themes but also a lot of it is about more a consciousness of the emotional um and mental well-being of their their like age group of all the people that are around you know like it's actually it's having an awareness of of you know of your own mental health type of so a lot of the songs are sort of about that about having this um you know you're where where you're coming from emotionally is not necessarily your fault but man managing that is also part of your is part of a thing that you are tasked with doing um uh acceptance is a huge thing uh type of type of angles uh of trying to be welcoming to avoid people from falling into isolation because those are the things that cause us to be depressed and want to kill ourselves all, all of those types of general messages which i think is is good because in a, in a lot of music especially like 90s music when i was a kid like it was cool to talk about emotions but it was cool more to talk about how brooding and and terrible all of your emotions were type of thing instead of like being having the whole conversation about is this a healthy approach to life <laughs> type type of thing well i think i is this like me being an old man or something are they just younger cuz i feel for me like i uh, my brain feels good right now. <laughs> so <laughs> it, it doesn't like feel like it resonates as much. Yeah. Um, I, I think it, I think it resonates for the kids because it's, it's very there, especially with this genre of music, it's not always uh, the most inclusive type of thing. And uh, like, there are lots of hardcore and post-punk and things is exclusionary by definition. Like either it's, it's, uh, it's trying not to be mainstream because it wants to stay cool. So that's its exclusivity or it's like some sort of radical politicalized exclusivity. That's like, if you're not totally anarchist, you're fucking, you're against us like type of message or, if you're not totally hardcore Christian, because there is like a lot of hardcore Christian fans, uh, you're not with us either. Um, so it is just like a, I don't know that this this genre of music having a very uh, a band that has a big inclusive message is is kind of a, a fresh take. Okay, then maybe yeah, I was. Um, I'll try to look at it through that lens. I you speaking of the straight edge bands, I tried to tell Miho Justin's story because I was just laughing about it the other day. <laughs> like, you know, how long, like, when was that? That's four months ago or something that, that he shared that story of uh, the straight edge bands or whatever that, or not the straight edge bands he would go see, but the hardcore shows he would go see. Mm-hmm. And then there would there be the straight like, edge band there. 
Yeah. And I tried to tell her and she's just blinking at me like, and what is the funny part? I'm like, maybe he just has to tell it. I don't know. She's (laughs) like, in Japan, all the bands are straight edge. (laughs) Yeah. It's, uh, I don't know if they are, but, um, are there any like bands in Japan that like they're known just because of how hard they party and how much debauchery they are into? That's a good question. I'm sure there are, but the rock scene is such a a separate subculture group. Uh, like it is not popular music there. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's they have a lot of fans, very dedicated fans, but it is the like uh, pop music is the stuff that gets pushed like crazy. Like it's you would think in the U.S. You know, pop music is the one that gets pushed so much, but you honestly do have a wide swath of like music genres that feel like popular music, you know? Yeah. Do the, and I would guess like there's a lot of Western music that resonates over there. Cause I, I, I mean, I'm familiar with the punk scene in Japan and there is like a lot of cross pollination, but yeah. Is there also like the same thing? Do they also absorb like music from China and Russia? And they're like, man, we're really into like these Russian bands or are are they getting it both ways? Or is it all just one way influence from like American and European culture? Uh, Well, so there's a lot of like Korean influence on the J-pop groups and vice versa so much that... um, I would say the there's one band that Miho loves that uh, Lisa introduced her to, and uh, Lisa also just had a baby, so happy congrats birth. Um, that it's uh, the band is called Twice, and they're a Korean band, but they do a lot of their songs in Japanese. Okay, like they're based in Korea. Um, and they do songs in Korean. Sometimes they do songs in Korean and Japanese. Sometimes they do songs in Japanese and English. Like, not that they have in the same song, like they, they mix languages Mm -hmm. in the songs, but some of them, they redo the entire lyrics to be English or Japanese or whatever, and put out like the same music video of them singing it in that language. Uh, so there's this cross uh of it but the it, it's weird because the i've spoken about it a little bit but the j-pop groups are like way more trying to just be like cute style uh k-pop groups are way more um some of them some of them are trying to be cute style or whatever but at least the ones miho listens to like they can be kind of hardcore uh for a pop band okay. like there's a a band called black pink. That's very, yeah. Like you would not, I know you know it because of your favorite podcast. Uh, somebody was <laughs> addicted to it. <laughs> um, but they, they put out like pretty good songs. They just, but they just played here not too long ago. Yeah. Yeah. They're on a U.S. tour right now. Mm-hmm. There's, um, I don't know. Can I send you something and you can play part of it? Oh, maybe. Or I don't know if you don't have it set up, don't worry about it. This is like a very popular song. If you want to look it up afterwards, I don't know if this will work, but U Se Wa. If you type it in like U S S E E W A, 
and it's by Ado, A-D-O. It's kind of like a, I would say this is as close as you're going to get in popular culture to a rock song. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's kind of, I don't know. It's, it's strange. Well, I'll let that play us out then. Okay. Sounds good. <laughs> well, until next week, guys, we'll do more science next week. Maybe, yep. maybe possibly if, if, if these recounts go the way that we need them to otherwise, who, I don't know, could be the end of the world. <laughs> Uh, who knows? Yeah. I, I hope, I hope the bad mayor doesn't win the LA city, uh, race, the literal fascist that just wants to bus homeless people out to the desert. But he's a Democrat. Uh, yeah, he became a Democrat in January. Um, but the other, the like lib that's running against is like the weakest, Oh, like, did that know, go? Did that increase. go to a recount? Was it too close to call? I thought uh, Cuomo. No, they're won. still just counting. Huh? Is it Cuomo? What, who is? What's his name? <laughs> Caruso. Caruso. That's right. No, I think they're still counting. Um, but it's funny because the person that won, like city um, controller, like the person who audits the LAPD budget, mm-hmm. who's like seems to be quite left. Um, he himself got more votes than either of the people running for mayor got. <laughs> uh, and he run on a campaign of, we're going to reduce the police budget. Okay. Um, who would want to do 31 that? 31 years old. Uh, everybody apparently, because they, he just plastered billboards everywhere that showed the bar graph of what the city's budget is. I, my idea is what if... What if we gave everyone in the city a police job? Every single person in the city is on the city's police payroll. Then we can always justify raising the police budget to continue paying everyone in the city a salary as part of the police budget. What if we did that? Is that a compromise? Only if I get the... Hmm? Is that a compromise? If I, if I, get, I get, to, get the overtime. Yeah. yeah. If we're, we're, all, we're all on board for overtime. We're all doing it. Everybody's a policeman. We're all policemen. There's no such thing as a person that's not a policeman. All of us are. And we all get paid I mean, like it. The the LA City budget to population, LAPD budget to population, you could just give everyone over $1,000, I think. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Well, the, let's More raise than it. Joe Brandon. Let's let's raise the let's raise the police budget and give everyone uh, you know like fifty thousand dollars. Sure, let's do it. I'm on board with that, and then we all get qualified immunity. Have you thought about that? Okay, if we all have it against each other. Is you know it just nullifies everything out. That's uh, called a good neighbor policy, and then we all get guns. Everyone gets guns. We all get, you know, all the armor. It's. I think it's the best policy. It's really the only way that we can make this work. Okay. Let's do it. Universal police Let's actually income. actually do it. <laughs> there we go. All right, man. Till next week. Bye.
社会